BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I'm so curious. MJ and I have been talking for 25 minutes and we have not <laughs> for a second of it discussed how we felt about the Riverdale. We wanted pure Riverdale reactions today. today. <laughs> what just, my, my mouth just stopped working. I think I got too excited. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to Riverdale Roundup. We are talking about season seven, episode two. We're at the sock hop. We are back full-fledged in 1955 Riverdale. There is no mention of the current time period that all of these characters are actually living in because now we know Jughead's brain has been made smooth <laughs> and he also doesn't remember anymore if you remember from the last because of the guardian angel of Riverdale mm. Tabitha mm. came through and took his memories away so that it would make it easier for him yeah so he wouldn't bother her yeah, I think is more what it was. Now, we're getting into not quite the first season of Riverdale, but it is back to only high school yeah. antics. Th yeah. Okay, so I think that I, I've got a radical proposal. I think we just start, we each take turns, and we just say, did we like it? Okay. Because I don't know if you liked it, and I don't know if I liked it, to be honest, but we're just going to say what we each feel. Who should go first? I think you should go first. Okay. I think I might like it. Okay. I, I I on the one hand. Okay. But that's what that I'll stop there. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm voting. I think I might like it, and then I want to say on the other hand. But I want to hear your first reaction to this episode. I also think I might like it. <laughs> I think uh, I think <laughs> I might like it. I think I might like it because it does go back to what I originally fell for, which was you know. Fun, intense high school drama. Right. And we're not going to get into the end for a, a second. We're going to just deal with the rest of the episode. Yeah. Because it is very much like a jinkies type situation. Yeah. And I was wrapped. Yeah. I was, I was going to say my only on the other hand was don't we need it to be like darker and sexier yes and like don't we need more don't we need it to be more as we always say more like season one a little bit more darkness a little bit more sexiness a little bit more creepiness Methinks it is where it is going but I, I I kind especially of, based on the end yes and i kind of like the fact that we are back at square one of like okay 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 
let's say Edgar Evernever organ harvesting cult, not in our right, present right, day. Right. What if all this crazy shit, like Black Hood, all Gri- right. Griffin's gargles, the, the multitude of okay. serial killers that you all escaped aren't in what your memory. What if it memories? doesn't? Yeah. What if we are just starting over fresh? Yes. And then we're going to then add it back in because don't get me wrong. There was no kissy kissy in this. There was episode, not enough, right? But there was a lot of longing That's and true. like the stares That's of true. like, oh baby, if it wasn't 1955, I would be sucking on yo knob That's right true. now. That's like cone <laughs> on the cob. And that, and maybe it's my years of like, maybe I've got like some sort of Stockholm syndrome because of Twilight. Uh, but maybe it, even though I didn't want that longing because that longing was Mormon longing that I knew was never going to amount to anything. But you're appreciating the tease. I'm appreciating the mm-hmm. tea. Uh-huh. That makes sense. You're right. Because I was like, Jackie might not like this episode because there's very little kissing. But you're right. There is a lot of sexual tension. Because including, including homosexual tension. So, right. If the theme of last week's Riverdale was you can't do 1955 Riverdale without acknowledging the ever-present, constant, uh, violent racism that informed everything about the United States during that time. And I struggled with the constant references to Emmett Till, wondering whether this was in good taste or bad taste, but it was still, like, at least, I think, a generally kind of noble mission to be like Riverdale, but in the 1955, but not the... the, the idyllic vision. The racism. Uh, yeah. And, like, I think that what was so interesting about last week was the whole point of Riverdale, right, is it's, like, the uh, idealistic, nostalgic, um, you know, Norman Rockwell-y, like, 1950s. Everyone's just driving around in their jalopies and going to the sock hops and all the stuff that we grew up with, right? But last week it was, like, except also there was all this violent racism happening. And then this week it was, like, also you couldn't be gay. And how would that look in a high school if gay people still exist. And I thought that this week's episode was really interesting for that reason. I also wonder if they went so hard in the Emmett Till paint last week to show the fact of like, okay, we are not blind to the fact that yes, these people probably wouldn't even be in the same sock hop. We understand that. There was huge things that were happening during the 50s that blatantly our cast is going against. So I think they wanted to start off off top with like, okay, yes, this is huge of what's going on in 1955. But also, what if it's about their love? And and, and how interesting to do it. I appreciate, I understand it. Yeah, like how interesting to do a nostalgia 1950s, like return to the 1950s thing, but... With all of the knowledge that we now have about why you can't do simple 1950s nostalgia the way that that it's always been done, which is just always it was a simpler time. But what does that look like? All the stories you get from the 1950s when, you know, when I was growing up, it was Leave it to Beaver and Riverdale and it was just white people, you know, in a happy home, uh, you know, where everyone was straight and the moms were all happy to be doing all the unpaid domestic labor and, uh, you know, racism is never mentioned. And they should be happy for it. (laughs) And so it's, I think it is, right, it's really fascinating to see what if we did the 1955 nostalgia thing, but with a 2023 awareness of all the things that were fucked up in 1955? It's kind of yeah. neat. I think I might like it. Jeff and I both think we kind of <laughs> like it. 
And now don't get me wrong. I am here for the, again, you know, the incest born blossom bastards that live in the woods that people think are aliens yeah, here, here for it. it. I love it. We don't so want to lose why, the weirdness. No. And like, again, according to the end of this episode, we're not going to lose the weirdness. The weirdness is just going to trickle in the way it used to. In like back in like season yes, two, right when like it was really starting to gain its traction, I, I think I, <laughs> and, and and I don't, I am not experiencing it as like heavy handed. Um, forgive me for using this word, which has been, uh, you know, co-opted by the um, governor of your state, Jackie, your home state. But it's oh, not God. like heavy handed wokeism, you oh, know, it's God. not which obviously wokeism isn't really a thing. But there is like an aesthetic thing sometimes with TV shows where they're like, we're being not homophobic. And you're like, OK, sure, fine. And like, I don't I'm not experiencing this season of Riverdale to be too like again, too heavy-handed, too, like, on the nose about, like, in 1955, things were racist. Like, I kind of maybe maybe did feel that way last week, but this week, it was just like, what if it's 1955 and, like, several of the people in your group of friends are queer, <laughs> you know? Like, and it was just, it was really, I think, done very, very well, especially because you have these pre-existing relationships that the characters don't know about, but the audience does, um, between Choni and, um, you know, just knowing that Kevin... In- Kevin loves to troll the woods because <laughs> his mother told him that he was husky. Kevin is we know damaged. this about Kevin. Kevin is psychologically damaged <laughs> from being a formerly husky queer boy. And I wonder what other, like, I wonder what other, you know, kind of, like, structural things they'll take on. Are they going to take on, like, you know, gen- there was a little bit of gender stuff in, in this one, too, in terms of, like, Ethel is drawing pictures for comics, but she's a girl. But like, are they going to take on misogyny? Are they going to take on some of the other things that would come up anytime you're telling a story in 1955? And and I got to say, I think the jury's out on whether they handled racism well for episode one, still haven't decided. But for episode two, I thought that they handled, um, you know, the dominant uh, heterosexuality of the 1950s. um, Like, I thought it was great. Can I just speak towards the plus size inclusive side of this Please. which is including Ethel Please. again. Yeah. And Ethel still can't get laid. I know. No matter what timeline she's in. I know. And they still are Give making that her girl some play. Yes. Yes. And they're still making her like sad and desperate like for sad, Jughead. Don't be Ethel. It's yes. not fair. Yes. She's hot. You're right. She should be getting some play. You're right. And again in this episode Ethel is helplessly, hopelessly in love with Jughead, and Jughead's like, yeah, I see y'all, girl. (laughs) I guess, underneath all them folds, like, he may as well be saying that. I know that, like, they're trying to paint Jughead's character like, he's just a writer, he's just a frantic writer, and it's nothing to do with the fact that he's not attracted to her. He just has absolutely no idea that she's like, Jughead, will you go to the sock hop with me? Totally. And then just again. You're 100% right, because let's think (laughs) about all the other women in the episode. They all got to have like a satisfying sex drive in this episode. Like Cheryl, Tony, Betty, Betty. Veronica. Oh my God, we have to talk about that. (laughs) I love, okay. So first of all, Betty and Kevin. We know Betty and Kevin are in this timeline. They are together. They're supposed to be like the uh, the like you know. Oh, they're the chipper, beautiful cishet couple that everybody loves. And 
Kevin is obviously a homosexual, and he keeps making stare eyes over at Clay, hot Clay there, that also has been giving him stare eyes right back. They meet Clay surreptitiously in the music room, by the way. and they're just having this just like conversation about like, yeah, I just want to suck your cock. <laughs> but by the way, if you're like, wait, who's Clay? You might remember Clay as the unnamed third black student in last week's episode when Jackie was like, I think there were three students of color, but we didn't really learn about the third. Okay, this is Clay, but... I just want to throw it out to Screen Rant, who just said, so since Clay is friends with Tabitha, the time traveler, there's a chance that the meaningful look he gives to Kevin near the end of Skip, Hop, and Thump implies an awareness of their time-twisting predicament. Now, I thought that that look was like, I'm going to suck your cock. <laughs> but it wasn't. I thought like the way that Kevin looked at him. What look I are thought, you talking about? I, when they looked at each other meaningfully, I at thought the it dance. was Kevin saying, I'm going to suck your cock. Uh, and not that like, we both know that uh, technically we're living in 2023, but in reality, we are in 1955. Yeah. And if we were in 2023, I'd be sucking your cock <laughs> in the woods right now. But <laughs> like, I, don't, I didn't see that in the look, but I kind of liked the theory that that was in the look. Yeah, I like that theory as well. Yeah, I thought that look was like a... Clay being like, I know I'm a gay man, but you don't know yet. And I feel sad for you because you're obviously agonizing over you're here. You're really struggling with this. Yeah. Yes. And, but that, and to your point about Ethel, this is, reminds me of a grievance that I've always had about Kevin um, as a character, which is like, don't make him so sad and desperate, um, you know, but but maybe we want a multitude of different gay characters and we have sad, desperate, always in the woods, Kevin as one. And we have like, hot, self-assured, um, successfully banging Tony and Cheryl as others. I just feel like they do Ke Kevin so is, Kevin's so pathetic. And I'm like, why is the main queer character, the one who who was queer before we knew Cheryl and Tony, were like, why is he so pathetic? Just like the only fat character is also so pathetic. So that is one grievance I continue to have. But Kevin does. I know when they're trying, they're trying to cover everything. I yes. appreciate you, Riverdale. Yes, right. You're really trying right. to cover everything. You're trying to listen. You're trying to give the fan service. You're trying to have inclusivity. You're trying, you're trying, like you are trying to yes. maintain all of it. And I am surprised that they are doing it so well. Yeah, yeah. No, they're, they're, do they're doing pretty good. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. But poor Betty, I loved, I wanted, I should have just recorded her rant about how like she's trying, she's like, everyone's like out parking. They're all parking with their boyfriends and she and Kevin are sitting in the car and she's just like, 
Why won't you kiss me? Why won't like why won't you go study with me? I don't understand. I feel like I'm a sex maniac because all I want is for you to kiss me and you kiss me and it's like you don't even like it when you kiss me. And as someone that went through that in my teenage <laughs> years, I don't know if I was specifically being spoken to through Riverdale, but I was like, yeah, girl, I've been there. Oh, I've been there before. Oh, why don't you want? But you just, it's like you want to be my friend, but you you want to date me, but you just want to be my friend. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I know. Kevin will be so much happier when he can just be Betty's best friend again. Yes. And we know that that's going to come back around because, again, of the meaningful looks between hot Clay and hot Kevin. Yeah. And I can't wait until they start going into the forest together. Totally. And, and Kevin, and you know, as, now that I think about it, Kevin being sad, uh, you know, and, you know, kind of driftless and whatever in this season makes sense because it would be very hard to be closeted um and so that that his his particular patheticness is makes might make sense in terms of 1955 in a way that i still think that we in in riverdale as we tell stories we could challenge ourselves to like give our characters from marginalized identities like better lives you know (laughs) Um, not only the sad stuff but yeah, this episode is really trying to take on specifically like uh you know heterosexuality as the presumed mode for everybody because Cheryl um and TT clearly are like loving each other from the start. I can't but it is very forbidden with the two of them. I can't. I just like I my loins scintillate. Just Tony's I know, so I know fucking that, hot. Man. I know that they are teenagers in the show, but they're so obviously in their late twenties. Very that much. I'm fine with openly saying I lust for the two of them together. Completely, I stand them so fucking hard. I can't wait for them to get back together, and especially because this episode, essentially, Cheryl's trying to sell tickets to the sock hop, and Tony, who is ooh, just keeps showing up in her serpent's fits in her like. 50s like late 50s bad girl fits yeah she's she a looks greaser. like i'm like my tongue is rolled out she's like, <laughs> Matty, Matty. and she's a greaser and so is fangs and she wants fangs to perform his rock and roll music <laughs> at the sock hop and or the serpents are essentially going to protest the sock hop and throw like what? It, what did Dil- Dilton Doily say? Like you, they're gonna throw eggs at us. Yeah, they're gonna, they're, like they were that. gonna wait in the parking lot and like jump everyone on the way out. Jump of the everybody. Sock yeah, hop. you know, it's just like regular greaser stuff. So <laughs> essentially, Tony's like, look, Cheryl, why don't you come over to? Oh no, what is it called? It's not called the bad word. The bad drink. Come over to the, right? Is that what it's called? The book drink or something? I it didn't was... catch the name. It looked like Veronica's Speakeasy, though. Was it the same set as Veronica's Speakeasy, or was it not supposed to be the same? It must be, because they're trying to show that, like, I- I'm assuming they're trying to show that the serpents weren't just, like, it's not just the white worm. Like, they, you know, they have also, like, beautiful coffee shop establishments as oh, well. Oh, right, right. It was a coffee, a coffee house shop. where the beatniks go. The beatniks and the badasses go. <laughs> and that's where Cheryl meets up with Tony and she's like, let me show you what real music is because Kevin and the crooners, old, old closeted Kevin was supposed <laughs> to perform, which is why he said he wasn't asking Betty to the sock op. He's like, baby, 
baby, I'm going to perform. I can't take you to the sock hop when in reality it's because he wants to slob on the knob of clay. <laughs> but essentially, Cheryl and Titi get re- I am mad that they didn't show that scene. I wanted the scene. I know they were trying to save Fangs' music for the sock hop, but I wanted to watch the scene of them just like slightly touching shoulders and going like, Uh, uh, (laughs) listening to rock and roll listening to rock and roll music which is obviously what happened and so Cheryl does even though it wouldn't be up to Cheryl it would definitely be up to Principal Featherhead Featherhead. not to be confused with a different character also named Principal Principal Featherhead Featherhead. maybe a son of Principal Featherhead played by Anthony Michael Hall yeah maybe that's a good good point Maybe, maybe it's a generational Featherhead because that Featherhead was in the Griffins and Gargoyles backstory episode, correct? Yes. And there was somebody else in this episode that was uh that was like where I was doing a mind generation fuck. Oh, who was it? It was another character who had the same name as a character from the present day. And I was like, wait, is that an ancestor of this other character? Or is that somebody who also got sent back in time? Ooh, but I'll uh all right. I'll, put I'll that, put that on the side because now I'm very curious. <laughs> No, so they have, so essentially Choni is back and in action because now Fangs was able to perform at the sock hop. And you wait, guess what? It's a little bit like Elvis, except he doesn't sound like Elvis. But you know what? <laughs> he's got the hips a shaking and he's got the rocking and the rolls are rolling. So good for you, Fangs. Which he's also, trying. Fangs, is it because of Midge? Is Midge the character you were thinking of? Because now, if you remember, Midge was the character that was like, brutally murdered by the Black Hood and attached, like her body was like crucified on the set of, I think, Carrie Carrie the musical. Yeah. And Midge is now back and Midge is dating Fangs. I love this story arc. Good for for the actress who is playing Midge. Can't we just say, who thought like, great, I get killed off so fast. I don't get to be in this huge show. Brought back for the last season. That I bet she didn't expect to happen in her bingo card. <laughs> I'm happy for her. Yeah, this is like when, uh, you know, I did high maintenance for the first time in like 2012. And then it was like season. And then, they, you know, we did a couple of subsequent episodes, but then they got their HBO thing. And then the, it was season two of high maintenance that that I got to come back and that when you were also in that episode, but I was, it was a total yes. surprise. And as you know, I was like, I'm not even really an actor anymore. Sure. I'd love to do this. And yeah, I feel like Midge, right? I don't know what Midge does. Hopefully she's a working act actor, but like, I love the idea of her being like, you know what? It's been five years, but I would love to come back and be Midge again. Yeah. I'll come back. I'll be Midge. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Pay me that season seven money. I'll, I'll be Midge all day. <laughs> and you get to make out with fangs. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because Fangs is surely still by um, as he is in present day, and he seems to be quite passionate for Midge. And I like, and Midge seems kind of like grease or curious. curious. Midge is like Cheryl's hench henchwoman, but she's grease or curious. Um, And you know, this honestly, this episode made me want to go back. I, I feel like. I don't know. Did 90s kids consume like a lot of 50s nostalgia? There was like, it was mostly Grease. I think 90s did more the 70s nostalgia. And then that was more, I think, like, I think that's when the 50s nostalgia was. Right. Like the seven, I think we consumed 70s nostalgia that was 
about well, 50s. Well, I guess nostalgia. that was more late 90s, early 2000s was 70s. You're right. Nostalgia. It was the 70s, but I feel like it was like, I just feel like I consumed so much stuff about this time well, because period. like nick at night and stuff yes. like that with happy days and like all totally. the sitcoms i think it was all i think that's what it was i think we were watching i dream of genie and all that totally. stuff because that's what was on nick at night and now do you know what's on nick at night it's like friends <laughs> i know by the way i know <laughs> and there was like a sock hop episode of saved by the bell i feel like there was like a lot of sock hop. there was like sock hop theme days at my school um obviously all this sock hop time though did when you were doing sock hops i actually had to look it up do they really just go in their socks and they do and i didn't know that until this riverdale episode really yeah i didn't so know thank that you riverdale <laughs> because like they take off their shoes in the show and i was like wait a second is that why it's called the sock hop and then i looked it up i was like yeah i don't know why i thought it was i thought it was just called i thought it was like so like short for like social you know like a social hop like it's a sock hop i thought I it know. was because they would like wear I remember asking this when I was a kid because there was so much sock hop nostalgia shit around there. I, I really feel like 50s nostalgia was like, you're right, because it comes in 20 year increments. And so there was like 70s nostalgia in the 90s. But the 70s nostalgia was about the 50s, like Greece. Right. Right. And uh, and so there were, and I remember asking, what's the deal with the fucking sock hop? And I thought it was because, yeah, they wear saddle skirts and saddle shoes and they wear prominently display their socks i had no idea but anyway this episode made me want to revisit some of the 50s nostalgia because it is a great place to set a story because there's these like competing musical interests and there's these competing styles i'm like am i gonna reread the outsiders again like because of riverdale i'll reread the outsider i was so in love with the characters and the inside of the outsiders like i was like book loyally in love with them even though there's really nothing sexy about the outsiders <laughs> as he hit knew how to write young teens in a sexy way yeah i think it's i think it would be i mean i think i haven't read it since i was 11 so it would be a very yeah, different experience i also haven't read it in a long <laughs> to time to it. be fair <laughs> i was really horned up by it though in middle school. <laughs> but speaking of getting horned up yeah, now tell me about your cheryl and tony i loved it when Cher- when tony comes up to Cheryl and's like, do you want to dance with me? And then they dance at the sock hop. But then, like, Principal Featherhead, step the fuck off. He was just like staring at the two of them. There's so many. Wait, there's so many women that dance together. Give me a break. Come on. Yeah. Or maybe in 1955 they just didn't. But like, I assumed a lot of girls. Like, if you think about like, think about like just the snapshot of like. Elvis and, and you know the old performers and all the girls that were there dancing and like screaming together like that's why I was saying not because I'm like thinking of my 2023 privilege here <laughs> I'm saying didn't women dance together like I feel like it would be weirder in 1955 for Kevin to be dancing with Clay than it would be for Cheryl to be dancing with Tony is all I'm saying a hundred percent I actually thought that that was where they were gonna go my mom went to an all-girls school so I think it was different but she talks all the time about how like at dances it was just the, the you know it was just the whole point was to hang out with all your girlfriends you know yeah and then it was like yeah you would slow dance and if you were going steady you would like have the guy you pin there or whatever oh bye bye birdie that's another 50s nostalgia thing I'm yes um but like wait yeah if you had if you were pinned you were allowed to bring your boyfriend but if you weren't pinned you weren't allowed to bring your boyfriend i mean i don't i don't know but that makes it makes sense but still i'd be so pissed off if i was betty that would make a lot more sense because betty's whole thing is like 
You can at least pin me, but also she's in love with Archie. She's like head over so heels back to old Archie. school. Honestly, the dancing scene when he's like, I don't know how to dance. Uh, and she's like, I'll teach you. And then they're dancing. I, because again, horny woman over here, I was like that scene. I was like, wow. I haven't felt the lust between Betty and Archie. Like, I know that they were kind of building that back in season six a little bit. Yeah. But, like, they really have on-screen chemistry together. Lily Reinhardt is a gifted... She can do anything. ...gifted actress. And she is just so good at playing someone who has a crush. Like, it's She's better... She's so good at it. It's much better... To see her and Archie have crushes on each other, then it, I mean, when, in season six, what they did with like their kind of curiosity uh, when they were both still dating the other people in the foursome was like it was interesting, and I remember we kind of liked it. Uh, but like, it is this this like pent up. It's 1955. No one is even allowed to talk about horniness at all. But like, they're next door neighbors' best friends, and they clearly have major crushes on each other and have never spoken about it and have like never really touched except for being like platonic, you know, good friends. It's such great fertile territory for horniness. It's just love it. perfect. I love that it. scene is so... And then poor Betty talks to her mom about it, and she's like, I was feeling flutters, and Alice Cooper cannot be anything but a saboteur. I don't know why she's trying to sabotage No matter Betty. what timeline. <laughs> she, like, why is she trying to sabotage? She goes and tells Kevin to pin Betty no after matter Betty what. told her, I have a crush on Archie. Because... Kevin comes from a nice family. Yeah. He co- he comes from and also you think especially 1955 his mother's a widow. Yeah. And is it widow or widower? I always forget which one is which. Mother's a, the mother's a widow. The, Kevin's like, mom is dead but his dad is alive? Oh, he's the widower. Oh, because oh, so they both come from but maybe Kevin's mom is still alive in this timeline. Yeah. Because yeah. I like I feel like there's something in Alice's whole like you want to be with Kevin. Like yeah. she, I think that like also she assumes probably, I, I, I doubt she assumes that he's gay, but it seems like her being upset because he won't do anything for her. I guess in 1955, wouldn't you want your teenager to be with that person? Right, right. About You're like, chased. go be sexually frozen. Yeah. It's yeah. for the best. Yeah. Get pinned. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. just life, honey. I That's don't know. She's got to have some sort of sinister ulterior motive because she's Alice Cooper. Well, she we're broken does. because we're trauma. We have trauma because of Alice Cooper and we can't quite, we can't quite trust her as a parent. But can we talk about real quick? The whole Archie. So Archie obviously has a thing for Betty, but we are going back to the old school. Everyone, all these boys are vying for Veronica's attention and Veronica is like forcing them to fumble over her to get her approval, which like you want to give like snaps to that. Right. But. It is still not very nice. Yeah, I actually don't. I, I I think I don't mind that they've made Veronica like a pretty awful bitch in this season because she's kind of always been that. But we were yeah. supposed to be like, she's a badass girl. She wolf of whatever. She wolf of Wall Street. And I've always kind of felt like Veronica's just like a bitch who's not nice. Yeah. And that's just what she is in this season. And yeah. maybe we're supposed to be like, oh, look at her. She's like a... 
she's like confident in herself or whatever, but she's just mean. She just plays with boys' hearts. Yes, and like even though we don't like Julian Blossom, the the third other Blossom that we've never <laughs> met who is alive, who is just a, a yuck. <laughs> like, I yuck hate him. In, I hate yuck him. in I his soul him. and yuck on his face. I hate yes. him. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. And I I love that he wears such snotty little clothes. <laughs> and I I want, even though Veronica is such a bitch to Archie in this. And I, you know what? Go for Archie. He does a little bit of boundary setting and self-care because Veronica finally is like, Okay, Archie, because uh, so essentially all these boys vie for her ask to the sock hop. And in the end, she's like, I've chosen myself. I'm taking myself to the sock hop. I'm not taking any of you boys, which again, like I said, we would give her snaps. Good for you. You should do that. But you are being mean. You are being mean. Yeah, that right. That's the thing. I think we need to decide. Is she a feminist hero or is she a huge bitch? Or is she a huge bitch? It really is. Like, it's still not cool. Yeah. And. I know that they're all like, oh, over her, which I guess that's what they're trying to say. Like, don't be like that. (laughs) But I feel like there's other ways. Like, you can use your your words as well. And um, so she goes up to Archie at the dance and she's like, do you want to dance with me? And he's like, no, I don't. (laughs) And he goes over. And while I know that in 1955 and in this show, it was shown to be like, that's Archie. He's just heroic. I thought it was kind of creepy that he leaves Veronica to go and dance with his mother. Yes. Go dance with another yes. girl. I get it. Go dance with your friends. Uh-huh. But he goes, and I know that his mom's a widow. <laughs> and I know that she is alone. And she <laughs> is the one that, like, when Veronica shows up to talk to Archie, Molly Ringwald is there and is like, uh-uh, honey, you femme fatale. You essentially straight up and down was like, you're being a bitch. Yeah. No, he's not going to come out and talk to you. He's at the grocery store right now. And I'm not even going to tell him that you came here because you're being a bitch. Right. And you know what? Good for you, Molly Ringwald. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've always wanted them. I've, I always want them to do more with Molly Ringwald. Like, why did like Skeet get to be a hottie? You know, Luke Perry got to be a She's hottie. She's so marmish yes. in this. Molly Ringwald gets, like, she doesn't get any of the hot fits. Yeah. Make, have her be a serpent for a yes. while. Like, let her wear some leather jackets. Yes. I feel like it's really unfair that all the other parents get to be hotties. You know, Alice Cooper, hottie. Uh, Hermione and Hiram Lodge, both hotties, you know. And then Molly Ringwald is just like, I just feel like they're like, well, there's... She's got to turn her into a frump, you know, like. Frump, a dumb. Yeah, I want her to get, I want her to be, 
you know, fucking, I don't know, somebody, some some daddy. Oh, I want her to have some sort of torrid affair that she has to keep from Archie and that, like, they're just, like, making out in the janitor's closets yes. at school even though she shouldn't be there. Yes. That's what I want. Yes, she deserves it, even though she doesn't have the body of, you know, Hermione Lodge. She doesn't need to. She She's doesn't go- need to. great. I know. If, if you know, when there's a will, there's a way, Molly. And she just looks like an actor who has aged, but she's a woman, so we don't like that, you know? So Yeah, like- we hate that. <laughs> Yuck. No, no. That's why I want to see her get some play. Yes, yes. She needs some play. But Ethel it- and Molly Ringwald. I yes. want them both getting play. Yes, I want them both getting play, too. But let's talk about Ethel, right? More about Ethel. Okay, let's talk about Jughead. Oh, Jughead. So at first, I looked at Jeff, and I was like, is Jughead doing... Like- like a transatlantic kind of accent. And he wasn't doing an accent so much as he was, which, you know what, I will appreciate. He takes his craft very seriously. (laughs) So I will give him that, even though you can hear me rolling my eyes as I say it. I appreciate the fact that he has given a, a... speaking juxtaposition between his current, like 2023 Jughead and 1955 Jughead. I appreciate he's like speaking a little bit more staccato than he did before. Like I was trying to like pin it down. I was like, why is it different than it used to be? And like, he really is just like using his whole mouth instead. And I don't know if I'm just zoning in on this because I do voice stuff Mm. and like I immediately hear that kind of stuff. Uh But did you notice a difference in how he was speaking? Definitely. And I and I didn't okay, think okay. it was super annoying for him. I think the different actors are having varying uh, success with how well they're incorporating like the 50s figures of speech. Like obviously with Cheryl, Cheryl's an incredible actress, but like it just doesn't, it just feels like very jarring when some of them do it because Cheryl- You're the ginchiest girl I've ever seen. <laughs> when he said ginchiest girl, when Kevin said ginchiest girl to- Betty, I was like, hold the phone, <laughs> the who, the what? And like Cheryl and Tony, I think as they should, are just playing it like straight. Like they are just the exact same characters from the That's present time it. transported it, it, to 1955. Archie, definitely KJ Epa is trying to do like a, I'm a naive 50s boy. And then Jughead is t- kind of doing the most. But yeah, I think that's because Cole Sprouse fancies himself a bit of a Jeremy Strong, you know, <laughs> in terms of his approach to. And I'm not saying he's not good. I still can roll my eyes at yeah, it though. Yeah. You know, because he is, it's because of, I should separate the character from the real life person. Yeah. yeah. But some Sometimes they overlap, okay? Yeah. And now Jughead, he's trying to get into pep comics, and he wrote a comic, and long story short, he gets into the comic book that he, like, essentially walked there and was just like, put, you're stealing my ideas, and you should put me in the, the comic books. And he goes, oh, okay, you write me a, an eight-page comic by tomorrow and we'll we'll see what's what and a who's who <laughs> and in that time period he also is friends with ethel and ethel's an amazing artist and ethel's like if there's any way you could get me in there i would love to also work for pep comics so i will say he man got like did a home run for the homie yeah i will say yes, he did and was like Bro, if you want my comic, I've got an artist for you that could totally make the art yes. for you yeah, and totally good. straight up hooked up Ethel, but didn't hook up 
with her. <laughs> and that, not that that's a problem. He's allowed to not like her, but can't somebody love Ethel? Yes, that's the thing. It's totally fine. <laughs> I actually like Jughead and Ethel as platonic friends. Yes. I think we've talked about this in the past. We're like, it's nice that they're just friends. But then they added this like, you know, like Ethel, like longingly pining for him. And listen, would it be high school if you didn't longingly pine for somebody who thought for that you were just a your friend? good friend? Yeah, like, like especially, like I get it, I get it. So that's real. But she deserves to be a horny sex bot just like the rest of them. Yes, and I hope that that some. And I'm not even so, talking about love. I'm just talking about some play. <laughs> like if Chi Chi could just get something this this season, yeah, please, yeah. Unless that is like the jape. Well, I guess we don't know if that's going to happen because now, all right, we're all at the sock hop. Yes, now th- this is great. So now we can end this episode with the end of uh, end of this Riverdale roundup episode with the end of the Riverdale episode. Which oh, I forgot was- to even say, but I also forgot to say that she did get in with the comic because she was drawing these, which I don't. We saw like a glimpse of her gruesome zombie like drawing that she was doing in school and she straight up like she's supposed to get detention because she's drawing in class and she straight up skips detention and is like no I'm going to this comic book meeting because I want my art to be in the comics and she and did it's it. like a really, it's like a disturbing, like zombie, yes. like super dark picture. And the guy, the comic book editor is like, you're telling me a girl drew these pictures? Go, 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 she's girl. <laughs> and she's like, yeah. And Doug has like, yeah. And he's like, well, I love it. And so that we have set up. I say we sew her pussy shut, <laughs> but I'm allowing her draw graphs inside of this comic book. So we have set up that Ethel, in addition to being sad and dumpy, is like a persecuted um, artist because at school every all the, the the teachers and the staff are like oh bad Ethel she likes dark shit and she is uh, also has like really mean parents and so that is what sets us up for our final scene like ooh Ethel is bringing the darkness this episode had almost zero darkness right except for <laughs> every time Alice Cooper is on the screen just simmering underneath the surface but it's cool because even the lighting design of the show is different it's literally literally brighter right. than the old Riverdale used to be, which right. is so crazy because there used to be scenes where I'm like, what is happening on the screen? Like right. they, it would just be it's so dark. dark. And now it's fun because they are doing the 1950s sitcom, not sitcom necessarily, but 1950s-esque lighting Definitely. in it just to make everything seem a lot brighter. So everybody's at the sock hop and which before I love that they're saying that Ethel's parents are like so fucking mean because Essentially, Jughead is over there earlier in like uh, like a couple days earlier inside of her bedroom. I will say they are like 15 or 16. And I understand the rule of not having people. I don't think it should be genderized, but I understand the rule of not having people in your room when you're 15 with the door closed. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's dumb as if you can't get away with things if the door is open an inch. But, you know. Yeah. Um, I understand I wouldn't, I don't think I would do that with my own children, but I understand where Ethel's mom comes from. But I love that she's immediately painted as like, she's evil. Yeah. She's evil because she doesn't want Jughead in the room with the door closed. Okay, (laughs) evil mom. Got it. Got it. Keep going. But then we find out because she skips detention and the parents get called. But we find out in a fun reversal of the 1950s, her mother's a drunk. Her mother's a drunk and her father's angry about it. And so he takes out his anger on the family. But did it like 
like didn't even attack her, which I was kind of surprised in 1955. Yeah, I was. I was actually like my stomach dropped yes. and I was like, oh God, let's this not is bring certain things I back. Right. I don't, I can't. Yeah, we don't God, need to bring domestic gonna... abuse into season seven of Riverdale. It might come. No, remember the Reggie plot lines? Oh God, remember you're when right. Reggie would just have a black you're eye? Right. Yeah, we already did a child abuse plot line, so thank God. Also, where is Reggie? Sorry, that no, was a good question. Okay, so she skips uh, the uh, detention and her, and she's like, I'm going to the sock up with Jughead and slams the door and her mother screams over my dead body. Uh So what ends up happening at the sock hop? At the very end, honestly, I was very surprised. All the queer people are not dancing with each other. We're kind of like, the sun is setting on the sock hop. The queer people are making like longing eyes at each other and then Ethel bursts in. The doors fly open. Ethel comes in covered in blood. And she says, something terrible has happened. Riverdale! She is covered in blood. We don't know. Is it her own blood? It's, I, don't, I don't think that I don't she's think been cut up. Blood, we don't Dan, know. I think it's her parents' Did she blood. kill her parents? So we're, so we're all set up to think that she killed her parents, which... Fuck yeah. Fun. Or... I mean, what are the theories here? What is it as cut and dry? Are we going into cut and dry Riverdale where she has killed her parents? We got to wait for next week to find out if she has. Or did she find someone else had been murdered and was trying to save mm, them? Yeah, right, right. Because or, killing her parents is so what they have set us up to think that maybe it's not that. It's so what they said. So that's why like, okay, well, they could have they could have done something else. But I was pleasantly surprised that I was like, yeah, yeah. Like I actually was like Riverdale yeah. <laughs> at the end of the episode where I, this is the problem. This is <laughs> they always this is get what us. Riverdale does does. They always get us they back. They always get us back. Always. And you know, even from the beginning of this episode, when I said that this episode wasn't dark enough, what they've done is actually kind of awesome because they set us up with like a bright, like this isn't a dark universe, nothing dark around here except for the lack of the ability to be gay. But like <laughs> every, everything else is just, just fine, peachy. And then it's like, the end of this episode oh no there's been a murder ethel's covered in blood it shit's about to get dark so now we know next week we have this bright universe with some darkness coming in and so that's gonna rule yeah dude i think i like it i think i like it <laughs> and you wait you like next episode we're gonna be like what have they done why are they i know i know you I'm cannot waiting. you can't you cannot hang your hat on it that's you for sure certainly cannot and that's that's okay you yes. know that's what we're here for and yeah. that's what we're here for you for yeah and we love you guys and thank you so much for joining us on this episode of riverdale roundup i uh, <sighs> I think we both might like it, yeah. and I feel sick. <laughs> I just didn't. I didn't expect it at all. Like I feel like I feel like I'm not who I'm. I used to be. You know, like I feel like I'm different now. I mean, it's not gonna ever be season one again. But if they can recover some of that feeling that we have been chasing, that high we've been chasing for seven seasons, man, I will hand it to them if they do it. And they, they they did a good job this episode. They're doing a great job. And thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. And we'll see you next week on Riverdale Roundup. Bye. Bye. 
This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.